Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and this week I have a quick and dirty tip about whether you should use the word themselves or themselves, and a meaty middle about comma splices and how to fix them. But I have a quick announcement before we start. I am working on updating my iOS game Grammar Pop so it will work when the new Apple operating system is released in September. As some of you know, I made Grammar Pop myself, and it's been a few years since I even looked at the tool I used to make it, but I've already started, and it looks like it'll be pretty easy to update, so I fully expect that Grammar Pop will keep working. Thanks for asking, for those of you who did. And now, let's dive in. Back in April, after the style guide updates that came out of the American Copy Editor Society meeting, I told you that both the AP Stylebook and the Chicago Manual of Style now say it's okay to use they as a gender-neutral singular pronoun, at least in some cases. Well, Liam on Twitter had a great question that I wasn't able to answer at the time. He wrote, If they can be used as a gender-neutral singular, do you use themselves? or their self, or their selves, and why? Well, the Associated Press has been mostly silent on the issue. It's not covered in the singular they entry, and the primary advice in the Q&A section is to avoid themselves by rewriting your sentence. On the other hand, the Chicago Manual of Style editors touched on it in their conference presentation, saying the 17th edition, which comes out in September, is going to say it's okay to use the word themselves if that's your preference. Traditionally, themselves has been considered substandard, and themselves was the only correct choice, as in, they told themselves that everything would be okay. But now that we can use the singular they, sometimes themselves seems wrong. For example, consider this sentence. Tell the next caller they can redeem the winning code themselves. That just sounds weird because you know it's one person. So now the Chicago Manual of Style says it would be okay to write, Tell the next caller they can redeem the winning code themselves. Now, if the singular they still sounds wrong to you, themself probably bugs you too. But what I like about Chicago's approach is that they emphasize the similarity between they and you, and between themselves and yourself, which has been standard since English was using letters like the thorn and the yoke that we don't even have in the alphabet anymore. It's not unheard of for English to have a pronoun that's both singular and plural. That's how we use the pronoun you. If I say, you should have a glitter party, I could be talking to one person or to a group of people. And because that's ambiguous, we have all kinds of regional words for addressing groups of people, like y'all and you guys and you-ins, but that's a topic for another day. Here's the exact guidance from the page proofs of the 17th edition of the Chicago Manual of Style, section 5.48. Themself, like yourself may be used to signal the singular antecedent, though some people will prefer themselves. For example, they blamed themselves, or they blamed themselves. I have to say I'm impressed with the entire section on bias-free language in the new edition. It's just really practical, talking about maintaining credibility, being respectful, not being distracting, and giving examples of nine different ways you can try to rewrite a sentence. Because even though I kind of dismissed the AP Stylebook in the beginning when I said their advice is to just rewrite the sentence, that's still usually the best way to avoid being distracting to your readers. 
And having these nine different examples is going to be helpful when you're staring at a sentence wondering what to do. I can't wait to get the final published Chicago Manual of Style when it comes out in September. And now, on to comma splices. Once you learn about comma splices, you'll notice them everywhere, and a listener named Joe has started noticing them. She wrote, quote, Comma splices are the rage on the internet these days. Can you write about them sometime? Unquote. Well, I have written about them, but it was four years ago, so it is definitely time for a refresher. Commas are always tricky because there are so many different ways you can use them. But one of the most common ways to use commas is to separate two main clauses that are connected by a coordinating conjunction. That just means that when you join two things that could be sentences on their own with a word such as and, but, or or, you need a comma before the conjunction. Here's an example. Squiggly ran into the forest to hide, comma, and Aardvark realized he'd have to fight the peeves alone. Squiggly ran into the forest to hide is a complete sentence, and Aardvark realized he'd have to fight the peeves alone is also a complete sentence. To join them with a comma, you need the word and or some other coordinating conjunction. If you put just a comma between them without a conjunction, that's an error called a comma splice or a comma fault. For example, if I write, Squiggly ran into the forest to hide, comma, Aardvark realized he'd have to fight the peeves alone, that's wrong. That's a comma splice. It's easy to see in that example why the error is called a comma splice, because I'm using a comma to splice together two complete sentences when that isn't the job of a comma. Commas aren't meant to join main clauses all by themselves, and when you force them into that role, you're making an error called a comma splice. The good news is that it's easy to fix the problem. For example, because the two clauses are complete sentences by themselves, you can treat them that way and use a period where you had the comma. Squiggly ran into the forest to hide, period. Aardvark realized he'd have to fight the peeves alone. It is a period's job to separate complete sentences. If the two sentences are closely related to each other, you can use a semicolon to fix a comma splice too. For example, if we imagine that Squiggly and Aardvark were in the woods when their campsite was attacked by monsters called Peeves, and we're describing our two characters' reaction to the attack, you can use a semicolon to connect the two parts without a coordinating conjunction. Squiggly ran into the forest to hide, semicolon. Aardvark realized he'd have to fight the Peeves alone. The semicolon makes sense because the second clause is related to the first clause. Aardvark knows he has to fight the peeves alone because Squiggly has run off into the forest and is going to be useless. You can think of a semicolon as a sentence splicer because its job is to splice complete sentences together. It's stronger than a comma. You can also usually fix a comma splice by adding a coordinating conjunction. If I go back to the original sentence with the comma splice, Squiggly ran into the forest to hide, comma, Aardvark realized he'd have to fight the peeves alone, you can see that it makes sense to connect those two sentences with a coordinating conjunction and a comma. Squiggly ran into the forest to hide, comma, and Aardvark realized he'd have to fight the peeves alone. So our comma splice repair kit includes periods, semicolons, and coordinating conjunctions. 
That's pretty standard, but you can also fix comma splices other ways, too. For example, you can make one of the main clauses a subordinate clause. I could write, because Squiggly ran into the forest to hide, comma, Aardvark realized he'd have to fight the peeves alone. Now you can join them with a comma because one clause is a main clause and the other is a subordinate clause. And yes, you can start a sentence with the word because when it's the start of a subordinate clause. If the subordinate clause comes before the main clause, like it just did, because Squiggly ran into the forest to hide, you put a comma after it. But if the subordinate clause comes after the main clause, you don't use any punctuation at all. Like this. Aardvark realized he'd have to fight the peeves alone because Squiggly ran into the forest to hide. No comma, no semicolon, just a period at the end. This final approach I'm going to tell you about next won't work with the example sentence we've been using so far, but sometimes you can also turn one of your main clauses into a phrase. Consider this comma splice example. Aardvark has a black belt in judo, comma. He realized he'd have to fight the peeves alone. That's wrong, again, a comma splice, because it just smooshes together two main clauses with a sad, weak comma. You could fix that in the ways we've already talked about, but you could also pull out the black belt part into a phrase that's surrounded by dashes, parentheses, or commas, like this. Aardvark, comma, a black belt in judo, comma, realized he'd have to fight the peeves alone. Finally, now that I've showed you a bunch of ways to get rid of a comma splice, I should also tell you that occasionally, in rare, specific cases, they're also okay. Yes, I just said comma splices are allowed in some cases. For example, the authors of the grammar handbook, Things Your Grammar Never Told You, say it's acceptable to use commas to join very short sentences that are exactly parallel, such as, I came, comma, I saw, comma, I conquered. You'll find similar advice in the elements of style, but also remember these kinds of sentences don't come up in real life very often. So, to review, the next time you catch yourself in a comma splice, dig through your toolbox to see if you can fix it with a period, a coordinating conjunction, or a semicolon. And if that doesn't work, try more serious rewriting, such as turning one part into a subordinate clause or parenthetical phrase. Commas aren't meant to join main clauses all by themselves, but fortunately, a comma splice is easy to fix. As usual, you can find a transcript of this podcast at quickanddirtytips.com, and this week I also put a few sentences you can practice on at the end of the page. Just search the site for the title, What is a Comma Splice? I've enjoyed people telling me where they listen so much that it's been a while since I thanked people for writing reviews on Apple Podcasts, and I really should thank you because it helps a lot. It helps new people discover the show, and I think it helps Apple decide to feature the show. So thank you to AvatarLover35, who said, I never stop learning with Grammar Girl. Interesting Show, who said, I've learned so many great grammar tips. Turner Bethany, who said, a great quick podcast for grammar tips and tricks. And Maria Cuarina, who said, it's worth subscribing. Thanks again. I really appreciate it. And as you can see, if you want to leave a review, it doesn't have to be long. Grammar Girl is part of the Quick and Dirty Tips podcast network. Search your podcasting app for quick and dirty tips to see all our other shows. And did you know that I've written seven books about language? Just search for Grammar Girl at your favorite online bookstore. I'm Mignon Fogarty. That's all. Thanks for listening. <laughs>